welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. But I'm actually going to be sharing on the topic of worldview. Worldview. Which, to be honest, doesn't sound too exciting, does it? You reckon? Worldview? <laughs> but I reckon it's exciting. I, I hope you're going to be inspired tonight. I hope you're going to really go away having something to think about, something to chew over in the week, and hopefully something to be, uh, that's going to change your life at the end of the day. Because I think this whole topic of worldview is vitally important. We saw a young lady's testimony up here on the screen just a moment ago. We saw Fiona's story. And I think one of the big problems that she had was a worldview problem. Her problem was growing up in a worldview that doesn't offer hope, that doesn't offer a future. And many people are caught in the similar bind that Fiona was caught in. Many of us in this room tonight were caught in that bind until we came into an understanding of who Jesus is, why he came, and all the ramifications of that. And so we're talking about worldview tonight, and I guess it's worth starting by just asking the question, what is worldview? Worldview is simply the lens through which you look at life. Okay, the way that you interpret what goes on in this world, what goes on in your, in your world. There are some foundational questions that a worldview must address if it's a valid worldview at all. Probably you could sum them up in, in five questions or five areas. Tone mentioned this morning, as Tone's been speaking about identity. And again, I certainly would endorse what he said about getting that series and have a listen to it. But he started this morning by saying that identity is founded in our origin. And both of those things are very much a part of a worldview. The first part of a worldview is about origins. In other words, where did we come from? It's a question that we need to answer. The second one is about our identity. Ultimately, who are we? Who are we? Are we created in the image of God and different to animals? Or are we just a glorified animal? With no purpose. And that's the next thing. It's about purpose, meaning in life. What is the meaning of this life? That's a question that a worldview will answer. Yeah. The next thing is about morality. What is right and what is wrong? Is there such a thing as right and wrong? A worldview will address those sort of things. What your worldview, uh, what, the worldview you have will determine your view on these things. And the final thing that a worldview really has to look at is destiny. Ultimately, where are we all headed? When we exit this planet, is that all there is? Or is there something more? And if there's something more, are we prepared for it? Okay, so these are the key questions that a worldview will, will um, have a look at. And obviously how you answer those questions will then sort of flow down and affect a whole lot of other things in the way that you do life and the way that you, you mix with other people and so on and so forth. So I want to start this evening by having a look at some truths about worldview. This is going to be a bit of a series, okay? It will flow on a little bit. But I really want to address this issue of worldview because I think it's vitally important for us as believers and also for people who are non-believers, people who don't call themselves a Christian at this particular point in time because it's a massive issue. The issue of worldview will be the making or the breaking of us at the end of the day. Worldview is very, 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 very important. Different worldviews, as I said, are going to generate different responses to life's challenges. I want to quickly turn to Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus just says something interesting. It's one of 
one of those things he says that's a little bit difficult to understand, but I think it makes sense in this context. It says in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I think that scripture speaks very well towards worldview. In other words, how you see things will determine how you act. What's inside will come out ultimately. So what you believe will be seen in how you act. If you see rightly, if you see truthfully, if you see well, you will live well. You will live truthfully. You will live a good life. If you see wrongly, if you see badly, it will be reflected also. You will live a bad life. You will live a, a life that is not founded correctly. You will live a life that is disappointing and frustrating and so on and so forth. A life of darkness, ultimately. So good beliefs result in good actions. I think possibly most of us in this room would have at some point in our lives have heard of Mother Teresa, Teresa of Calcutta, a woman who is renowned and probably, you know, she is one of the names that comes to most people's thinking when you think of the, the, the archetypal good person. She is the one who gave up a lifestyle in a Western culture to go and live amongst the, the poorest of the poor, the filthiest of the filthiest, the sickest of the sickest. She gave her life to serve. And she did that because of her worldview. She had a Christian slash biblical worldview on life and it motivated her to live a certain way. A good worldview will result in a good life. On the other hand, a bad worldview will result in a bad life. And again, one of the names that comes to mind often when you're talking about bad people, Adolf Hitler seems to be always up there in the top 10 somewhere. But again, he lived a life motivated by what he believed in terms of origins, in terms of identity, in terms of morality, in terms of uh, destiny. Ultimately, these are the things that motivated him to do what he did and live the way that he did. And many, many people suffered as a result of his worldview, which ultimately wasn't his worldview, it was a, a worldview that he'd adopted from others. Our society in which we live is going to reflect the prevailing worldview in its moral code, in its legal code, in a whole bunch of things, in what it prioritises. Unfortunately, we're living in a world today, and please bear with me, if you're not a Christian, you might say, well, fortunately, but unfortunately, I believe, we're living in a world today that is no longer Christian in terms of its prevailing worldview. Much of Australia, certainly until midway through last century, would probably, and for a few hundred years before that, would probably have been called Christian. Okay, as would much of Europe, as would America, etc. The prevailing worldview was Christian. Okay, and it was reflected in the morals of the individuals that made up the society. That morality was then reflected in the legal system, in the society. That morality and that legal system, or sorry, that, those, that worldview was reflected in the priorities of the people. If we look at those things today, we'll see that our morality is no longer a Christian morality. There's another worldview or other worldviews that have crept in and are, and are prevailing, not in the sense they're ultimately going to prevail, but they are prominent at this particular time in the world's history. And so our moral code is all messed up. There's so much contradiction morally in people's lives. 
It, does, it, it, it frustrates me. I cannot comprehend that we seem to be... If, if we look at the area of sexuality, we are so messed up morally. On one hand, we're condoning anything almost. And on the other hand, we want to get upset when it involves kids. And, like, where? You know, like... There's just, we're pumping. In every, in our entertainment industry is based on sexuality. So on one hand, we're pumping this stuff out. And on the other hand, we've got some morals that we, you know, there's, there's lines that we've got. And those lines are by and large imaginary lines. If you don't acknowledge God's moral code. Because you either go with the whole thing or nothing. And once you get rid of God's standard, what are you left with? God lays down some standards regarding sexuality. Once you cross that and remove them... Where does it stop? I won't go there right now. We'll look at that further next week. But these things will be reflected in our society, our laws, our priorities. Our priority today, what if, if you had to sum up the main priority in our, in our world today, it's not caring for the poor. It's probably entertainment. It's probably comfort. Okay, and those things are a reflection of the worldview that we've adopted. We've gone from a, a worldview which is by and large sacrificial, in other words, living for the sake of others, and now it's all about the big I. It's reflected in our worldview. It's reflected in our society. So worldview is very, very important. Society will rise or fall, as will individuals, based on their worldview, ultimately. Now you're probably thinking, worldview, what's that? I don't even know what a worldview is. First time I've heard of it. The reality is you have a worldview. Whether you've heard of it or not, whether you've processed it or not, you have a worldview. The sad thing is that most people have a worldview and they haven't processed it. They haven't thought it out. They haven't come to some conclusions based on weighing stuff up. They've just absorbed it by virtue of the family they grew up in or the friends they hung around with, the school and the university they attended, the stuff they watch on TV, the political parties things that are pushed, etc. Things like that. Most people just absorb stuff. Some people perhaps gravitate towards a certain worldview because it may, might meet some of their psychological needs. They might feel lonely. They might feel, they, they lack purpose in their life. So they'll adopt a religion. Again, without processing, but just because it makes me feel a little bit better to be religious than not be religious. To have a philosophy rather than not have a philosophy, but not necessarily process it. And I don't know about you, but those two things, just, just absorbing something because of the people around about you or what you've been told to believe or the media or, or, to, or because it makes you feel good, do you think that they are good foundations to build a worldview on? No? Yes? I would say no. What about religious reasons? What about, I read the Bible one day and so I'm going to build my worldview on the Bible or... Maybe someone else might say, well, I read the Koran one day. I'm going to build my worldview on the Koran. I'm going to build how I live my life on that or the Bhagavad Gita or whatever else. Or I went and had a word to a priest one day and he told me how to live. To, to live. Or I had a chat to my pastor or a pastor or I spoke to an imam or whoever else. Is that a good enough foundation to build your worldview on? I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, they are some of the reasons, you know, they're the, they're the things that... that cause us sometimes to embrace the worldview initially or absorb it. But I think ultimately we all owe it to ourselves to process, to think about, to adopt a worldview not based on preference, not based on circumstance, not based on someone else's opinion, but based ultimately on truth. 
truth. A worldview needs to be uh, complete. It needs to answer those questions. If it doesn't answer the questions that I spoke about at the beginning, if it doesn't address those issues, it's not a complete worldview. It's not worthy of contemplation. Consistency. A worldview worth believing must be consistent. I'm a Christian because of the consistency found in the Bible. Its view of God is consistent right throughout. Jesus' life and message is consistent right throughout. The message of the church is consistent. If the Old Testament did say one thing, Jesus came and totally contradicted it, and then the apostles went down a totally different track altogether, it would call into question the consistency and therefore the credibility of the Bible. And the challenge is, do we know that? Or are we believing because someone told me the Bible, we should be believed? And we've never read it for ourselves. I suggest read the Bible for yourself. People often make broad statements like, the Bible is full of contradictions. Ask the question, show me one. You usually get silence as a response because most people haven't read the Bible. And the contradictions that they think are contradictions are not actually contradictions at all. And they're quite easy to help a person to see how they're not contradictions. A worldview should be coherent. It should be understandable. It should make sense. It should match reality. Again, one of the things I love about Christianity is you read the Bible, it gives you a very accurate picture of mankind. Our problems are the problems we find here. The solutions are the solutions we find here. We were in our elders meeting this morning just praying and uh, before we prayed and, and says, mentioned that, um, that uh, Jesus said... Um, you might have to help me, says, but it's about the truth will set you free. It talks about obeying. If you obey me, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you'd expect that to be the case in the area of faith. It's as we do something that, like, for example, you, you may not understand the benefits of forgiveness until you forgive. And it's in forgiveness that you find freedom. When you do it, not as you process it, not as you theorize about it, not as you talk to others about it, it's when you forgive that you find freedom. Okay, and the fact that it works proves that it's true. Truth will work. So worldviews are important. Everybody has one, whether they know it or not, whether they like it or not. You, you can't stand aside from the world. You're involved. You have a worldview. I hope it's yours, and I hope it's not someone else's. Too many people are living with someone else's worldview. I was frustrated the other day. I was watching TV with a shari, and I did a, went off, did a little bit of a... Didn't go that far. Uh, Tone and Sam know what I'm talking about, so do a few others probably, but anyway. Um, but no, I was, just, I was just frustrated because I'm watching this show, and the show is good. I mean, the girls on it are cute. The interaction's funny. It's, it's, it's like a good show. But at the end of it, the girl jumps into bed with the guy. Like he comes through the window, so I'm thinking, oh, I don't want my girl absorbing that. I don't want that stuff in. I don't want her to think that's okay. Now, you know, we talk about it, and you know, that's why we have, um, we talk to our young people about right relationships and all that sort of stuff because there's so much stuff coming in all the time, is what I'm saying. And if we're not aware of it, we're just absorbing stuff all the time. And our view is not a biblical worldview, as from a Christian, it's not a biblical worldview. It's 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 enforced upon us or imposed upon us. The third point I want to make tonight, and this is vitally important, is that all worldviews are not, are not, are not, 
are not equally valid. All worldviews are not equally valid. That flies totally in the face of political correctness today. The prevailing worldview today is pluralistic. It is trying to tell us that all worldviews are equally valid. I ask the question, how can all worldviews be equally valid? How can you do that? How can, you, how can any person say that atheism, which, which says unequivocally there is no God, is equally valid with Christianity and Islam and others that say unequivocally there is a God? Other religions say there are many gods. Other religions say that actually you're standing on God because God is the earth and everything in it. How can those things all be equally valid? There's only two ways that you can do that. One is to be ignorant of the differences. It's kind of like all religions are the same, at least the one I heard about was. That's how most people live. They don't know. They've never asked the question. They've never compared religions. How can they possibly know whether they're all the same or not? They have a vague sense that don't all religions talk about loving one another? Ah, all religions are the same. Isn't that the way it works? And the only other way that you can adopt all religions are the same, and I'm using the word worldview, religion and philosophy almost interchangeably because really it's the same sort of thing. There's only one other way, other than being ignorant, that you can actually think they're all the same. That's to be irrational. That's to reject logic and reality. And that doesn't work anywhere else in life. You know, today we're living in a society that says to us, I mean, I'm all for tolerance. You know, tolerance is a good thing. What is tolerance? Tolerance is simply live and let live. We'll agree to disagree on that thing. I'm not going to kill you for it and you're not going to kill me for it. That's, That's tolerance. But there's a new tolerance in the world today. And it's being pumped out in our schools. It's being pumped out in our universities. It's been pumped out from the political platform. It's being pumped out on TV. And it says, you can't say someone else is wrong. You cannot say someone else is wrong. Now again, is that right? Should we be swallowing that hook, line and sinker? I mean, it sounds all right at the start. It sounds like, oh yeah, you're respecting the person. Don't want to upset people. But at the end of the day, what suffers If you're going to adopt tolerance with a capital T, what goes is truth with a capital T. And that's a big problem to me. You know, we've got some engineers in the room. Imagine our engineering lecturers across our universities in South Australia saying, or adopting that I can't say they're wrong mentality. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to jump in a car designed by an engineer whose lecturer did, took the approach that I can't say you're wrong for fear of offending you. At the end of the day, I want a car that's designed on truth, yeah. that's, that's based on sound engineering principles, and even more when I get in a plane yeah. or get into a building. Yeah. I mean, Japan's buildings at the moment, you know, they're, they're, they were engineered to survive earthquakes, and most of them did pretty well. That's what you'd want in a place that's prone to having earthquakes. The tsunami, obviously, they weren't quite prepared for, but I'm not trying to be funny there, but I'm saying that those buildings were engineered. And again, you're in a building, you, you think about it, it's one of the buildings you go into, 20, 30 stories high, and you, know, you want to make sure that the bolts are done up tight and all the concrete's the right you know, density and all that sort of stuff. Imagine a building site or a mechanics workshop, or even, again, a a hangar with aircraft mechanics in it. 
taking that approach. Can't offend someone. All approaches are equally valid. Imagine you go into the mechanic shop and you see a guy doing your wheel nuts up with his fingers. Don't want to offend him. It works for him. That's what people are saying today. If you're, you know, religions can work for each people individually. No, the same principles apply to all. If wheel nuts need to be tight for you, they need to be tight for me. They need to be tight in Australia. They need to be tight in India. They need to be tight in Africa. They need to be tight in America. Because that's truth. That's engineering principles at work. We can't just do what we feel like. Do what we prefer. Much easier, much cheaper just to do a wheel nut up with your fingers. But the results are drastically different than doing it the right way. Getting out of spanner, getting out of torque wrench, working out what the things has been designed for. I don't know about you, but if I'm wrong, I want to know it. Whether I'm studying for my year 12 exams or whatever, and I've got some wrong ideas, it's helpful if a teacher lets me know so I can make some adjustments. If I'm an engineer, if I'm a builder, if I'm a doctor, if I'm a nurse, if I'm a parent, whatever it is, truth is helpful. Ignorance is not bliss. We need to adopt truth. We need to make adjustments. And ultimately, I say that because, you know, we've got worldviews that are saying, hey, look, on one one hand, we are here by mere accident and chance, no God involved, therefore no moral accountability and no judgment. Hey, if that's true, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Do whatever you like. It doesn't matter. Have as much fun as you possibly can and who cares who gets hurt, really? Enjoy yourself because that's all you've got. Now, that's cool if that's true. Alternatively, if the Christian worldview, or possibly even any theistic worldview is true, that that has the idea of a personal God that's holding people accountable, that other option suddenly looks very risky, very dangerous. If we live in a moral universe where there's moral accountability and ultimately judgment for that morality that we've lived, we need to know that. We need to make adjustments now before it's too late. It's no good just saying, hey, look, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as I don't offend you. And yet that is what we are being expected to say and believe and, and swallow today in our society. We do our family, we do our friends, no favours whatsoever if we don't challenge them about truth. If we just see them going their own way, say, oh, that's all right for them. Nowhere else in the world does that sort of thinking prevail. But it prevails philosophically, and then it works its way down through the universities and into our, ultimately into our popular culture. And most people don't question it. And they don't question these sort of things at their peril. And we are here to rescue people, to drag people from the flames, the Bible says. Okay, and we owe it to ourselves ultimately. Let's just pretend I'm not a Christian up here. Let's pretend I'm a Muslim. Let's pretend I'm something else. The same truth applies. I want truth. We need truth. Ultimately, each person needs to discover. Jesus said, if you... If, if you the truth will set you free. You know the truth, the truth will set you free. Ask, seek, find. Ask and you'll receive. Knock, the door will be open to you. Seek and you will find the truth. I'm confident in God's ability to save any person on the face of the planet that will seek truth. Absolutely confident. Because of what Jesus has done, because of God's character, his nature, etc. Absolutely confident. 
that God can work in the most diverse situations to bring a person to Christ. Irrespective of their religion, irrespective of their parenting, irrespective of anything else. Because of God's goodness. Not saying that all people are going to be saved irrespective and willy-nilly, but those that seek truth will find it. Just another sub-point under all worldviews are not equally valid. Again, I think some people fall for the old, it contains truth, therefore it's okay. But the reality is there's a massive difference to containing truth and being true. Massive difference. As a Christian, I believe that we are mandated with a responsibility to look after the environment. You know, we're, you know, we're not to be stupid about the environment. You know, we're stewards of this planet on which we live. But if, so on that grounds, someone could see someone who's saving whales and hugging trees and all that sort of stuff. There's an element of truth in that. You know, they pick up on the stewardship aspect and think, well, you know, if, if we don't look after this planet on which we, on which we are living, we're going to be in trouble down the track. So they embrace this idea of stewardship, this idea of we need to look after our environment and all that sort of stuff. But again, it's not the, that's the, the truth is good, but that's not the problem. The problem is the other stuff. It's the difference that makes the difference in religions and worldviews and philosophies. It's the moral vacuum of many of the people that adopt that lifestyle. You think about many Greens, and, and the, they're often amoral or immoral people. They're not living according to God's standard in other areas of their life. They value whales or they value certain animals. They value vegetation or whatever. Often, at a greater and higher level, they value people. And morally... Very questionable often. Now again, that's cool, unless the truth is that there's a moral standard that we're called to uphold. It's the difference that makes the difference, the difference that causes the problems. If you're buying a car, again, there's a little bit of difference between Holden's and Ford. It doesn't really matter too much. But there's a difference between a car, you know, that's got beautiful velour or leather seats a car can have great seats but if it's got no wheels you're in problems and again you can have a a, a worldview that embraces um, the environment if it's, got no, if it's not going anywhere you're in trouble you can have a car that looks great on the outside but it's got no motor again it's the difference that makes the difference and in Christianity, sorry, in, in, in any worldview, we need to be asking the tough questions. Where are we going? Are we going to get anywhere with this thing? What's the likelihood of God being true, existing? How many people have investigated that for themselves? Because a lot of people, they, they've got an atheistic point, point of view. They don't believe in God. But the other, they haven't actually looked at the Christian perspective on why we believe. They, they, they won't read books from Christians, from Christians because, well, they're even the Bible, because the guys that wrote this are biased. Well, every person's biased. You can't live life without being biased. So some, the difference is that the guys who wrote this and the guys that write the majority of Christian books actually were persuaded from one worldview to another. And so their bias is actually, yes, they're biased, but it's still worth listening to. If the sum total of truth is equivalent to a car, 
Some, some religions, philosophies, or worldview leave you, with, leave you with a steering wheel. Standing there holding a steering wheel. Think about it. If the sum total of a worldview, it needs to address where do we come from. It needs to address morality. It needs to address identity. It needs to address, um, what was the other one? Where are we heading? Destiny. Our origins. It needs to address these things. And all it's got really in its favor is we've got a good view about the environment, for example. I'd much rather get in a car that's got the whole lot going for it than just run around holding a steering wheel. Kids do that. Doesn't, <laughs> it's cute when they do it. Not too cute when adults do it. Ultimately, there's only one worldview that matters. Again, if you're not a Christian here tonight, same truth applies. There's only one worldview that matters. Which one is it? Christianity? Well, maybe. I believe it is. But the only one that really matters is the one that's true. And I believe, based on my looking into it, that Christianity is true. I believe it stands head and shoulders above every other worldview out there. I'm not here to talk about why tonight. But ultimately, that's the one that really matters. I'm going to quickly read from Acts chapter 26. Because things haven't changed, really. People have still got the same questions, same arguments, same responses. Acts chapter 26 and verses, verse 25. Paul was a, a man who boldly proclaimed the gospel, really did a, an amazing job in spreading the, the Christian gospel, the truth, across the, the, the world uh, 2,000 years ago or just, just after. He wrote much of the New Testament and he suffered a lot as a result of his preaching and challenging people about their lifestyles and so on and so forth. And at one point he was arrested and he was taken from, from governors to governor and he had this to say at one point. Um, verse 24, he's in front of a guy called Festus. He says, at this point, Festus, because Paul's telling his story. He says, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. And Paul simply says, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. Paul replied, what I am saying is true and reasonable. True and reasonable. And then he goes on and continues his defense. And I love that. I, that's two things about Christianity and about any, any worldview that's worth it. It needs to be true and it needs to be reasonable. I think many Christians believe that Christianity is true, but they don't understand that it's reasonable. And they don't, they're not able to defend their faith because of that reason. I think we owe the world reasons for why we believe. You know, we're addressing that in, in, in our Bible school, looking at apologetics. We want to help people understand, because it's great to come to Jesus, because you come to a, a, a church, and the reality is, if God is real, you know, you're going to feel his presence. If God is real, the truth is going to speak to you. Okay? So there's a, many people are going to come to church and, and become Christians on the basis of what they feel and what they hear initially, but that doesn't necessarily help a person who has genuine questions. Genuine questions about, I don't even know if God exists. Everyone's telling me God doesn't exist. Everyone's telling me come from, from, you know, from nothing. And so at that point, it doesn't necessarily help me to say, oh, but, but God's real. I, I felt all warm and fuzzy. I fell on the floor. And they're going, I'm worried about whether God is real, how we got here. And you're saying you fell on the floor. I, I can't join the, the dots on those two things. Sorry. 
But when we have reasons for why we believe, when we're able to help people understand why we believe that God exists, you can't prove that 100% because ultimately there is an element in faith in it. But all things being equal, you can take a person to the point where they are, get to the, where there's beyond a reasonable doubt, you have proved to them that God exists. What are you going to do with that truth now? And like, they can reject it or accept it. I believe you can, you can believe in God and go to hell. The devil will. And I believe today people can believe, be convinced that God is real and still reject him. God's calling us to submit our lives to him. So it's the worldview that is true that matters the most. I mentioned at the start, actually I don't know if I did, I might have skipped a little bit, but why do people absorb a religion? Because of external influences. Why do we actually need to embrace a worldview of faith, etc.? Because it's coherent, it's consistent, it's complete, etc. That's what we look at in our foundations course, that's what we look at in our apologetics, because you want to know more about those things, come to that. Or get, there's tons of good books today. There is tons of internet sites that will give you great reasons as to why God exists, why you can trust the Bible. Did Jesus really rise from the dead, etc.? You don't have to be ignorant about those questions. You should be able to talk to any person and at least leave them with something to think about. And I think that's what we're called to do. We can't make a decision for people, but we should be able to leave them with something to think about. The fourth point, just in closing, is this, that your worldview must be consistent with your lifestyle. And my question this evening to every person in this room, Christian or non-Christian, is this, are you living consistently with your worldview? What I find, and I know lots of people who aren't Christians, many of them are atheists. In other words, they don't believe God exists. But the funny thing is, they actually want to live like a Christian. They actually want a Christian worldview. They want community, not competition. What is, if you don't have God, what do you have? You have evolution. What's evolution about? It's com- competition. It's survival of the fittest. Fend for yourself. You look at the animal kingdom, what happens to the weak, the lame? They get eaten, quick smart. You don't hang around caring for them. You get eaten as well. But people want to live in a community that is supportive and caring yeah. and secure and moral. They want a Christian worldview. They just don't want Christ. It's not consistent to me. They want meaning on a foundation of meaninglessness. That's not consistent. If you want meaning, be like Fiona. Fiona said, I, I partied, I did this, I did that. I, 21, I, I thought things were good, but then the wheels fell. I lack purpose. If you've got something inside you crying out that you're created for more, well, don't hang around a philosophy, a worldview, a, a religion that says that life is meaningless. Look for truth and you'll find meaning. On the other hand, many Christians don't have a Christian worldview. Many people who say, I've given my life to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I've accepted him as my Lord and my Savior and I'm going to heaven. Many Christians do not have a Christian worldview or a, probably more accurately a biblical worldview because a Christian worldview is one that is based on what this teaches because this doesn't change over time. My opinions, my preferences change over time. My attitude changes over time. My 
relationships with people can change over time. And if that's what my worldview is founded on, there's no consistency there. But this doesn't change over time. And as Christians, this needs to be the thing that is guiding our lives. The guiding principles for our life need to come out of here. If they don't, we'll just be blown this way and blown that way. But many Christians, they don't base their life on here. They see something written in there and they adopt something else. I wish Christians would be consistent. How much easier would it be to get saved in the world today if all those Christians who don't believe the Bible actually said, I don't believe the Bible, therefore I no longer deserve to be called a Christian. I'm going to give up my church. I'm going to stop teaching in a seminary or whatever else. Stop doing theology at university, whatever. Because these, the reality is, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, etc. If it looks like an atheist, thinks like an atheist, treats people like an atheist, and calls itself a Christian. So really, if, if you, know, you come to church week after week after week after week, you might be better actually leaving. If, you, if everything we say you're against, seriously. If you're against our moral stand on this or that, if you're against our worldview on that, if you're against, 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 maybe you're not actually a Christian. Maybe it's best to go back out into the world, get beaten up a little bit more, realize what you're missing out on, come back repentant, Jesus will accept you. The biggest, biggest problem people have with the church is hypocrisy. That's exactly it. We say one thing, but we live another way. So that's why next week I want to have a look at just a few issues and compare, as a Christian, how should we think about these things? Versus if I was an atheist, how would I think about those things? And maybe we'll look at a few other religions or worldviews, how they would think about those things. But what should a Christian, you know, generally speaking, what's a Christian view on origins? Because if we reject this and embrace what's basically an atheistic worldview of origins... Mate, we're in big trouble. How are we going to convince anything that anything else in here is true? We're going to look at morality. We'll have a look at a few other things, okay? But I want, to, I want us to be consistent in our thinking because ultimately if we're consistent, we'll be far more convincing when we're out there telling people why they need Jesus. So worldview is very, very important. Everybody has one. Unfortunately, most people don't process it. They just absorb it. All worldviews are definitely not doesn't matter who tells you, they are not equally valid. That is logically inconsistent. It is a self-defeating statement. We need to live consistently with our worldview. Can I pray and then I'll hand back to Tone. Father, I just pray that you use these words that I've shared tonight to bring the challenge, to help us to reevaluate where we're at, hopefully to bring security and, and faith and to some, Lord, I don't want to rock people's faith, Lord, but I want to challenge them in order that their faith might be strengthened, in order that their effectiveness might increase. Lord, for those that don't know you, Lord God, I believe they are in dire straits. And deception is no defense, ultimately, against your judgment at the end of time. And so, God, I pray that from this point on, that people will be seekers of truth and that people will live consistently with that which we say we believe, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.